The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. Well, good morning. This morning we're going to talk about identity theft and tips to protect yourself. Do you know that over 15 million residents in the United States have had their identities stolen each year. And do you know that approximately every three seconds someone becomes a victim of identity theft? And do you know that the losses due to identity theft fraud are just astonishing? They total in the millions. And do you know that the Federal Trade Commission identifies, um, identifies identity theft uh, as the number one consumer complaint? And, and, and do you know that you may have to investigate your own identity theft and fend for yourself if you're a victim as the majority of cases are never investigated by law enforcement, either due to jurisdictional problems or limited personnel or all kinds of reasons. So private investigators can be a solution for assistance to victims, to you, if you're a victim caught up in this crazy financial nightmare. So I'm really delighted to um, have my guest today, Carrie Kursky. She is an identity theft specialist, and she also investigates identity theft, so she knows all the, the back doors. Carrie will provide you some tools and tips to enable you to protect yourself. So she's a, you know, she's a highly sought-after speaker. She's a trainer and consultant. She specializes in identity theft protection, detection, and restoration. She um, also specializes in data awareness, corporate training, intellectual property investigations, Internet profiling, and email tracing. And she's an author. She's an author of Your Public Identity because nothing is private anymore, and I guess we all know that. Uh, Carrie's also the president of uh, Carrie. Is it Marconi Investigations? Marconi. Marconi Investigations, Incorporated, and CEO of Medical Fraud Defender, both based in Naples, Florida. And prior to owning the investigation company, Marcone, she worked with some of the top investment and insurance companies in the country. So she has a lot of background. She's been featured in NBC News, Wink News, ABC News, Fox News. She's been written about a whole bunch of times. And in 2010, she received the American Business Women's Association Neapolitan Chapter Woman of the Year. That's a mouthful. And then she was also the recipient of the Harvey R. Morris Founders Award for Outstanding Service in the private investigator industry. So, And then in 2009, she was selected 
one of the Gulf Shore, that's uh, Florida Gulf Shore Business Top 40 Under 40. So we have we really have a true expert here talking to us. And Carrie tells me that um, she also is the president of the Association of Certified Identity Theft Investigators, and she teaches a Certified Identity Theft Investigator prep course. So let's talk about, welcome, Carrie. Thank you, Mary Francie. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, welcome. I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show today. So let's talk just real briefly about the certification you're you're hand, handling here and, and the Association of Certified Identity Theft Investigators. Sure. The, uh, the course was created out of, uh, well, basic demand. Um, I've been consulting with a lot of investigators nationwide and actually recently worldwide on identity theft investigations and everyone kept saying, you know, how do we, how do we learn what you know and how can we do what you do? Um, I've also found that, like you mentioned earlier, based on multi-jurisdiction, a lot of these cases are not being handled by law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And majority of people, they don't know where to turn to. Um, so about seven years ago, I started getting calls for identity theft assistance, whether it's trying to track down the bad guy to uh, just help me restore my identity. Uh, then I became a victim myself. And uh, about 300 public speaking engagements and hundreds of clients later, here we are. So I'm trying to, uh, you know, let other investigators know about this this industry because Identity theft is a worldwide epidemic, and it gets worse and worse every single year. So private investigators are the perfect resource to do everything from helping you, you know, reduce your risk to identifying if you are a victim to helping you restore your identity and to also try and gather evidence so that it can be turned over to law enforcement and hopefully get some of these people prosecuted. Absolutely. And do you mind talking about the situation where you were a victim? Um, Yeah, there were a couple of them. Um, You know, a lot of times it has credit cards or or minor, you know, minor issues. But the one that really, really opened my eyes, um, I was a patient at a local hospital um, here in town. It used to be the Cleveland Clinic. And at the same time, one of their employees over in another location, not in Naples, in Western Florida, um, she decided to sell patient files for 5 and $10 a piece to her cousin. They ended up going on to commit about, I believe it was around a half a million dollars worth of Medicare fraud. Mm. Um, they fortunately are both in jail now. Really? But I, yeah, but I know a lot of the victims um, because I've met them through my public speaking. And still to this day, even though those women are in jail, they still get explanation of benefits for services they didn't receive because these women sold the patient information on the personal identifying information black market. So mm-hmm. criminals are still out there using that information. And that really, truly opened my eyes to the fact that there's nothing I could have done to prevent that from happening. And I'm an expert at this stuff. Yeah. You were already involved in identity theft at that point. Yep. I was already uh, handling cases and, and, you know, doing educational seminars. And so I thought I had a pretty good handle on, on protecting myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a few years ago, uh, my son had had a concussion. He was fine. He had an expensive helicopter ride and a milkshake, so he was happy. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> but he, he, after that, a couple years later, we ended up receiving notification from the children's hospital 
that they had suffered a data security breach. So now my information, my husband's information, and my son's information is floating around out there for anybody to do whatever they want with. You know, and and somehow people think there there can be laws passed and legislation passed to protect us, but there's nothing that can protect us from this kind of thing. No, no. And the biggest thing that, that you got to look at, because people always say, well, I'm not giving my social out to anyone ever again. The genie's already, the genie's out of the bottle. He's not going back in. You know, think about in in your lifetime, how many businesses, how many schools, doctor's offices have you had to give up your personal identifying information? Whether it's your social, your driver's license number, your health insurance number, whatever. You can't guarantee that those businesses are going to protect it like, like you would protect your own information. And then when it comes to outsourcing overseas, we cannot subject those countries to our privacy laws. So they can do what they want with the information. Right, right. And and you can never protect yourself from employees that are going to do bad things. No, no. Majority, yeah, majority of the security breaches, number one is employees. It's either mm-hmm. employee negligence or employee error. Um, or we're finding now with the IRS tax return fraud, the identity mm-hmm. theft. Right. Uh, often, oftentimes, it'll be the intake person in a healthcare provider's office, and when you're giving them the information for your doctor visit, they're copying it down on a piece of paper, and then they turn around and file a tax return in your name. Wow, it's, yeah, so it really is astonishing. So, Carrie, would you mind going? I, I'm sure people would like to know what your background is. Where were you before, and how did you come about to be become a private investigator? How did that all work? Um, I used to be a financial advisor. I was a stockbroker. Um, my degree was in finance, and, you know, I, I went to uh, New York for a month for training and worked for Prudential Securities. Um, you know, and, and like I said, I was, you know, working with the market. When the market opened to the market closed, that's all I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my uh, first child was born, so I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, so I stayed with him. Then my daughter was born a few years later. Um, but during that time, you know, I needed to have that adult stimulation because I needed a conversation besides Barney all day. <laughs> so yeah, back then it was very frightening. Um, so I started teaching adult education here at uh, one of the uh, the community adult education schools. And I was teaching, uh, you know, vocational English, uh, GED course, uh, computers, and then I was teaching QuickBooks. And it was in my QuickBooks class that I met um, my mentor, the previous owner of my agency. Hmm. And he knew my background. So he had a case where he needed someone with computer and investment experience. So he had me come on to kind of work with him and assist him with his case. And then I fell in love with it. And then about a few years ago, he retired and I took over the agency. So, really? you know, once I got bit by the investigative bug, yeah. that was it. <laughs> Yeah, it does work that way, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, that's fabulous, and I, you know, I'm sure that uh, our our profession, the private investigation profession, has benefited from your expertise, and it's wonderful how you've taken something that is that many people are frustrated with identity theft, and done something positive with it by establishing this association and establishing this certification, and really providing people with the tools they need to to actually attack this issue. Well, so I, the main the main reason I did it is because once I started doing the public speaking as a, you know, for the community, um, and that was before I was even offering any service or even selling anything. You know, I was just trying to raise awareness because 
people would become victims the exact same way. So I thought, all right, I got to do community service here and I'm going to educate people on it. And I still find today there's so many myths and misunderstandings because mm-hmm. of what people see on television right. that they, they basically, you know, make themselves become a victim of identity theft just because they don't understand it. Yeah. What would you say would be the biggest misunderstanding that they have? The biggest misunderstanding is everyone thinks it's just credit cards. Everyone thinks that if I sign up for, you know, credit monitoring or one of these services, then I'll never be a victim of identity theft. That could not be further from the truth. Um, You can sign up for these services, but nothing is going to prevent it from happening. Mm -hmm. The benefit from these services is that once it does happen, you are quickly notified and the sooner you can take action, you know, the, the less time it's going to take to restore your identity and the less out-of-pocket expense you're going to have. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, at least you're, you're being notified right away. Quick break, Carrie. We'll be right back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. I'm back with my guest, Carrie Kursky. And, Carrie, you were just talking about the, the biggest misunderstanding people have about identity theft. Yeah, they, they believe that it's, you know, it's just the, their credit cards, um, or, you know, that it's, it's not going to happen to them, or if they sign up for credit monitoring, you know, all, any of the ones you see advertised on TV, then, then they don't have to worry about it. Um, 
It couldn't be further from the truth. You know, all those systems do is they help you, they tell you you're a victim, and they offer different levels of service after you've become a victim, depending on which one you pay for. Uh, but no one is immune from this. If it hasn't happened to you yet, it's going to happen mm-hmm. to you sometime in the near future here. Well, certainly and, nobody, nothing could have protected you from the medical fraud. Correct. Yeah, there was not, I, I had no control over what an employee was doing with records that are out of my control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's 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 dangerous. Um, when I've done uh, presentations, I've had you know I always ask people when's the last time you checked your credit report, and I had one gentleman come up say I haven't done it in 15 years, so I you know showed him how to do it for free because you're entitled uh-huh. to a free credit report every 12 months. Um, showed him how to do it, and he called me and he goes, "You're not going to believe it." And he had been a victim for many many years, and really, it, was, it took a while to to help him try to restore everything, only because it went on for so long. But all it would have taken is for him to look at his credit report, and he would have been able to catch it right away. That's great. That's great. Well, yeah. So simple little things like that. <laughs> well, that that's you know that's such a good good tip, Carrie, because many people think that they're just you know they're okay. And right. uh, I had a personal experience as well uh, with my father-in-law's um, granddaughter who was taking care of him and taking care of his bills after his wife passed away and, of course, used all of that information. Now, that's a different kind of identity theft, but mm-hmm. identity theft nevertheless and elder abuse as well. And mm-hmm. it was it was just, uh, it almost destroyed him. Oh, it is. It's it's horrendous. I mean, some of these, case, these cases, um, and the other thing is with identity theft, it's not just financial. I mean, it can be life-threatening. If someone uses your identity for medical services, their ailment, you know, their diagnostic, their blood type, it all goes mm-hmm. on your permanent medical record. And now with the implementation of these health information exchanges coming in the next few years here, once it gets in a database, good luck getting it out. I mean, it's, it's right. a nightmare. I, I've seen cases where people almost receive the wrong blood type during a transfusion. Fortunately, the you know facility wanted to do one more typing test before they inserted it which was good because the one that had been in the record was wrong. Um, oh, my goodness. People getting misdiagnosed because, you know, doctors look at your whole record. They look at all your symptoms before they say, okay, we think this is what it is. Well, if you have a symptom in there that doesn't correlate with that disease, they're not going to test for it. Um, I have never thought a, of that. That is amazing. Yeah. It, it's frightening. I mean, for seven years I've been trying to find a study to see how much medical malpractice was due to misinformation in a patient file, medical identity theft. No one has ever done the study. Mm-hmm. So it's and, interesting. And, and so all eventually all the medical records are going to be electronic. Yes. And yes. how long is that transition going to take? Is that is there an estimate? Oh, it's it's going to take a long, long time. Um, there are still providers out there that are refusing to even um, implement electronic medical record systems. So until you get everybody doing it, I mean, I've had some doctors tell me I'd rather pay the the yearly fine for not com- for being out of compliance than to take the risk of putting everything in, in mm-hmm. you know electronic format. Right. Uh, there are a lot of risks associated with it. I mean, it's good and it's bad. It's good because you know you can you can get your medical record anywhere you go. So in an emergency situation, it's fantastic. But it's bad because anything floating around in cyberspace is open to hackers. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's why data breaches in healthcare have been on the rise because they're an easy target. These EMR and EHR systems have been pushed and, and crammed down the healthcare industry's throat. Wait a minute, what's the EMR and EHR? I'm sorry. What's <laughs> EMR and EHR? It's electronic medical records or electronic health records. Okay. Um, they're, they're very similar. It just depends on, on, you know, what, what all they offer. Uh, but basically, it's where your medical record is, is all the information is going to be contained in a computer. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one case, and, and I know we don't have a, a whole lot of time, so I won't get into it. But for the listeners, go uh, Google uh, Lind Weaver, L-I-N-D-W-E-A-V-E-R. Back in 2005, it's a very interesting read on medical identity theft, and it will show you how ridiculous this whole situation is. Um, just to, give, us just, a, give us a high points, Carrie. With this, she received a bill for having her foot amputated. Obviously, she had both of her feet. She thought it was an error. Called the hospital, and they asked her, you know, is this your insurance? Is this your name? Is this your social, your date of birth? Yes. Well, I'm sorry, that's your bill because that's what was presented before the surgery. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and, and it was a bill for like a copay of around $20,000. She refused to pay it. It started affecting her credit report. Um, she said, I want to see the medical record. Well, because of HIPAA, and she said, it's not me, she was denied access oh, to no. the medical records. Yes. Um, she, she couldn't walk and, in the hospital with both, both feet? <laughs> right, exactly. She had to get notarized <laughs> affidavits and photographs of her feet to submit it to the hospital, and they still refused to take the bill out of her name. Um, laws have changed a little bit since then. Remember, this was 2005, so there right. has been improvement. But uh, she ended up, she was on such a mission, she ended up finding out who stole her identity. I mean, it wasn't that hard because the woman was missing a foot, so that was kind of a telltale <laughs> sign. Um, but this woman was also sitting in the local county jail because she was arrested on fraud charges. She had a rap sheet a mile long. Oh, my goodness. Um, the worst part is when uh, Lynn decided to contact her health insurance company to see if maybe they would help her, all they did was take back the money they paid to the hospital. So the hospital turned around and billed her for the full $60,000. Mm. It was a nightmare, wow. nightmare. Her credit was destroyed, tons of fees on attorneys. It was an absolute nightmare. Oh, I can't um, even imagine. And how did they find the real uh, fraud- fraudster? Well, Lynn did. She did the research. I mean, she was in a very small town in Florida, so she was mm-hmm. able to, to figure it out. And like I said, the woman's missing a foot, so it's kind of, yeah. you know, kind yeah, of In a small to town, not many people are missing a foot, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, huh. The other type of identity theft, there, there are two more that most people have never even heard of. Uh, one is criminal. Now, as being investigators, you know, I don't know about you, Francie, but we're seeing this more and more when we do pre-employment background screenings. Mm-hmm. We're finding people have a criminal record for a state they've never even been to um, because somebody uses their identity to get arrested yeah. and they yeah. present that driver's license with their the other person's information on it. Right. Um, so we're, we're seeing more and more of that. Um, can you imagine if somebody buys one of these driver's licenses with your information and they kill, kill one, two, three, whatever, and the next thing you know there's a warrant out for your arrest? I mean, it's it's frightening, and I've seen cases like this. I have, too. I've seen cases you, like that as well. Yeah. And to try yeah, to get your arrest record cleared is almost impossible. Well, and when you go to, to law enforcement and you say it wasn't me, well, it's not like they've not heard that before. 
Right. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's a nightmare to try and, to try and deal with. Um, the other one is business identity theft. Every single business owner needs to pay attention to this one. Um, I came across this about six years ago. We had a case where the uh, CEO of a company went missing. And so part of doing my, you know, kind of due diligence background, you know, of everything leading up to, to his disappearance and after that, um, I found that through our division of corporations in the state of Florida, the um, office manager, the day after the disappearance, the office manager was now president, vice president, secretary, and treasurer of the company. Mm-hmm. Highly suspicious. So I said, okay, I want to have a copy of the resignation of officers. And I, you know, I called the state division of corporations, and they said, well, we don't require that. I said, so how does somebody change an officer of a business? Oh, well, you just go online and fill out a form. Right. And I said, so you're telling me if I want to take over my next-door neighbor's company, I just go online and fill out a form? And the woman said, oh, no, no, we have measures in place to prevent that. And I said, okay, well, what are they? Well, the first one, you have to pay a fee. Take uh-huh. a wild guess at what the fee was. <laughs> Not very much. $35. Okay. So I told the lady, that's useless. What else you have? <laughs> <laughs> and she said, well, before you, you know, click to authorize the transaction, we do have a disclaimer that says if you do this with fraudulent information, you are committing a crime and you could be subject to criminal charges. Well, if I'm a criminal, I don't care. Right. I mean, that's right. why they're called criminals. They don't abide by the laws. Yeah. Um, so now the uh, the secretaries of state, it's the National Association of Secretaries of State, last year, I believe it was, they had a big forum. They got together to try and combat business identity theft. Um, Florida is one of the states where they're spearheading this initiative to try and put measures in place to protect businesses from this. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been invited to participate in the task force, which is a, a great honor. I'm thrilled to be have, happy. You know, I'm happy to help them do this because I've just worked with so many business owners. It's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, the, a couple of ways it works is a business owner will get a call for a collection account with a vendor they've never even heard of because when somebody goes on to, like, the division of corporations and they change and put another name in as being an officer of the company, Uh well, when you you go to establish a vendor account or when you want to open a, a corporate checking account, savings account, loan, whatever it may be, the bankers, they all go to the state's Division of Corporation website, and they look to see who the officers of the corporation are. And if that name is there and that's the person who's in front of them, you get that, you get that account. Right. It's that simple. Um, I've also seen with doing a lot of the intellectual property investigations uh, that they will use a business identity, whether it's their trademarks or, you know, any of their branding, um, they will use those to solicit clients. Um, I've seen it a lot more and more with attorneys where they'll take the information off of an attorney's website, they'll set up another one, make it look very similar, and then they'll have a button on there to collect retainer payments. Mm. Well, they're mm-hmm. collecting the retainers. The work's not being done. The client files a complaint with the Bar Association, and the real attorney has no idea that any of this is happening. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. So. It's more than just credit cards. Well, it's definitely more than credit cards. I mean, anything, you know, I mean, we know about the situations where people are using 
taking credit cards and using uh, them to buy all kinds of all kinds of things. But and you know these um, these devices that people have to duplicate the credit card. Oh, the skimmers. Yes, the skimmers. Um, my business associate had a woman come in her office one day where uh, she was. We shared an office with an attorney, and she was asking for the attorney, and he wasn't there. And of course, uh, she knew she knew the names. She'd done her homework. She knew the names. And while my associate was just stepped out of her office for half a second, this woman got her credit card out of her wallet, which was in her purse on the floor, wow. and then said, "You know, I guess I made a mistake. It must be another day," and left. And within a couple of hours. There were mm-hmm. thousands of dollars of charges on our American Express. Well, and you know, Francie, what's really scary? Now they don't even have to touch your card to get the information. Most hmm. credit cards have built into them. It's called RFID. It's radio frequency identifiers. The easiest okay. way to explain it, you remember years ago, it was the mobile speed pass. You'd wave this little key fob thing at the, the pump and you could fuel up. Yeah. What that yes. is... It, it has a radio transmitter inside of it, and it's constantly sending a radio signal out, and it's waiting for a reader machine to read whatever signal they're sending. Well, this technology is now so small that it's being sandwiched in between credit cards. Um, so at all times, your credit card is constantly sending out this signal, looking for a reader. Mm. Well, if I install one of these reader programs onto, say, a netbook or a, a laptop, Okay. All I have to do is walk through a room, and now I have all the credit card information. Because Are you serious? Wow. Yes, because what's being sent out in that signal is all the information that's typically found on the magnetic stripe on the back of the credit card. Oh, that must have been how she did it then, because we could not figure out how she got her credit card information that quickly. Yeah, it could have been an RFID. Now, for, and it cost, really, it's like $300. To, to buy a setup to get this software and you know technology is great except for now YouTube is a haven for criminals. It shows you how to do check washing. It shows you how to how to build these RFID readers. I mean it's it's scary. It's scary. Yeah. So anybody can do this stuff. Um, but one more thing about the RFIDs, they're also built in all the new passports. Are are they really? Yes. So what you can do is when you get your passport, it comes in a paper sleeve. That yeah. sleeve is lined with, it almost looks like aluminum type of a, a paper. Mm-hmm. Um, that blocks the signal from, be, from being sent out. So keep it in that aluminum Yeah, so you're saying keep that together. Sleeve. Yes, yeah. But they do sell, um, you know, there's wallets that you can buy that have this special material in them. Mm-hmm. There's purses. You know, there's all different things. You can even buy the little credit card sleeves. Uh, the other thing you can do, wrap it in aluminum foil. Um, but I like to joke because then it'll now have a wallet to match your hat. <laughs> so it's kind of crazy. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, somebody else told me that they stick their credit cards in the microwave for a second or two, but I've not tried that. So, you know, user beware. I don't know if it's going to blow up your microwave. I have no idea, but that's just what somebody recently told me they did. <laughs> so it burns up the RFID codes it or fries, something? Yep, it fries the chip because it's huh. a little microchip is, is what it is. Amazing. Um, but this stuff is its so small. The technology is getting smaller and smaller that, you know, they can put it in anything. Uh, and pretty pretty soon, every single credit card is going to have RFID. 
the easiest way to check is look on the back of your credit card. And if you see something that looks like a, almost like a radar signal where it's like a, a pyramid of, of parentheses, so to speak, mm-hmm. trying to, trying to describe it visually. Um, but if yeah, you I'm getting out like, a credit card and looking at it right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Usually when I do my presentations, at this point, everybody breaks out the wallet. <laughs> okay. So say that again. I, I can see, I can feel people all over the country pulling out their credit cards. Yes, yes. It looks like a stack of parentheses, almost like if, like in the old movies when they would show a sonar signal and it would be like this oh, yeah, ring absolutely. being sent out. Yep. Yeah, that's what it looks like. If that's on the back of your card, there's an RFID in it. Okay, so I'm looking at two credit cards. One is an older credit card, one I, one I just got for this year, and the new one has it. The yep. other one doesn't. Yep, yep. exactly. Huh. Interesting. So you, yeah, it used to be you could call the credit card companies and say, send me one without it, but they're all, the whole industry is making the switch to RFID, so every single one. And I've even heard that driver's license eventually are going to have them as well. Amazing. Well, you know, and, and it's, again, it's a catch-22. This makes our life easier in a lot of respects, makes things you know, faster. No, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm, I'm so glad you said that. The biggest thing that people don't realize is that we are willingly giving up our privacy in exchange for convenience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I can see that because, we, you know, we want, we want to get things done quickly, all of us. Right. You know, we yep. want to get through a store quickly. We want to get through the airport security quickly. Whatever it is, we want to do quickly. Yeah, um, I mean, it's going to get to the point you're going to walk up to a terminal when you're checking out at, I don't know, say Target. You don't even have to take your wallet out. You can just, the screen will pop up and it'll say, which credit card do you want to use? Enter your PIN number. I mean, that's what it's going to get to. Now you can, if you go to Starbucks, you just show them your your smartphone and you can make a purchase. Right. Yeah, exactly right. But at the expense of our privacy. Right. So, you know, it's it's, it's kind of a trade-off. And and any of this stuff that people do, these apps, these programs, social networking, all of that, it's fine to use as long as you understand what you're allowing them to have access to. You know, mm-hmm. read the terms of service agreements. Read the privacy agreements, the privacy policies. If you don't like what they say, don't use their service. Right. Well, um, Carrie, give us some then. How do, how do we protect ourselves? Give us some tips. What do we do sure. now? Um, well, there are so many things that, that you can do, and, and a lot of these I cover in, in the book. That's why the book was written, because everybody kept saying, what do we do? We need a guidebook. We need something to help us. Um, but some of the major ones that, that you, know, you can do. I'm really, sorry. Yeah. Let me interrupt. Before we do sure. that, let's take a quick break, because uh, we want to handle this part uninterrupted. So let's take a real sure. quick break. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. Cali's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact Cali at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-350. 
C-A-L-I. For a national association, Francie's Choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. IRB Search is where quality matters. IRB provides access to the best online data for locating people, businesses, and assets. IRB data gives you strength in numbers, allowing you to access billions of records. Even with partial information on your subject, IRB Search instantly returns current and past addresses, phone numbers, and more. Call IRB Search today at 1-800-447-2112 to sign up. Mention PIs Declassified, and you'll receive a two-week free trial of 100 free searches to get started. Call 1-800-447-2112 to find out why IRB Search is simply the best. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. We're back with my guest, Carrie Kersky, private investigator and identity theft specialist. Carrie, you were just getting ready to tell us, give us tips and things to, that we can protect ourselves. Go ahead. Sure. Uh, the first thing you want to do is you want to monitor your information. That's your bank statements, your credit card statements, uh, mortgages, your uh, credit reports. You want to monitor these. Your explanation of benefits, the letter that you get from your insurance company saying what they paid for. If there's any discrepancy whatsoever, don't dismiss it as an error. Pick up the phone, make a call, investigate it. A lot of times with these credit cards and, uh, you know, debit card uh, transactions that they'll use after they get your information off of a skimmer, mm-hmm. they test the cards first. Right. They'll do a dollar charge or $10 charge. So if you see that on there and go, well, maybe that was me, I'm not sure. Well, now they know that's a good card to use. Then they're going to hit you for something big. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to monitor. Uh, what I always tell people is that we're the only species in the animal kingdom when the hair on the back of the neck stands up, what do we do? <laughs> oh, it's fine. We ignore it. I'm overreacting. Mm-hmm. And then it comes back and bites you in the butt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So You know, it's people, really true because if you uh-huh. – before all the identity theft, if I were to see a $5 charge on my credit card, I would think, oh, I must have done that, you know. Right. But now right. we know that that is the way that they check the credit, the credit card. Yep, yep. So if, if something doesn't feel right, it doesn't look right, take action. Don't just dismiss it because if you ignore it, it can be a huge nightmare down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing you want to do is with uh, online, shopping online, always use a credit card. Never use a debit credit combination card um, because the money comes right out of your bank account. If you use oh, yeah. a debit card, yeah, if you use a debit card online, there's different different laws out there, different le- levels of protection. 
If you use a credit card, your maximum out-of-pocket liability is $50. If you use a bank card, you could have unlimited liability. I mean, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of different caveats to the law, but in general, that's the biggest thing. So you always want to do it. And if if somebody gets your credit card, it's not coming out of your pocket. Right. It's just being sent to you on a bill that you won't have to pay. Whereas if it's your bank account, that money's gone. And sometimes banks will not put the money back until they've had their time to do the investigation, which yeah. could be up to 60 days. Well, and that so, happened to my mom. Actually, that exact thing happened to my mom. And the credit card, the bank card was used for uh, Netflix and mm-hmm. uh, paying the your utility bill. And the bank came back and said they, they wouldn't reimburse it. Right. They did the investigation and said, too bad. Yep, that's exactly it. So always use a credit card because you can dispute those. Um, so, you know, make sure you're protected there. Okay. The other thing, the other thing that you want to do, like I said before, you know, when you're using these apps and such on the internet, read the terms of service agreements. Um, and when you're posting things on social networking sites, simple, easy test to remember. If you don't want it on a billboard on the side of the highway, <laughs> don't put it on the internet. <laughs> right. Or the other one is, if you don't want grandma to know, don't put it on the Internet. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, it's, it's that simple. Um, another thing that I get a lot of questions for, or I'll get the call, the panic call after the fact, um, emails. Never open a link in an unsolicited email, even if it's an email that you get from a friend, someone you know, a coworker, mm-hmm. a, tr- you know, a trusted advisor, whatever. Mm-hmm. Never click on that link in that email until you pick up the telephone. You call them. You know, the telephone, the thing we used to use to communicate. <laughs> before <laughs> Right, that so we don't use much anymore. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But you need to talk to them and say, did you send me this? If they didn't, then delete it. Mm-hmm. Because what happens when you click on that link, you think, oh, what's well, a bad link? Nothing opened. Then I'm just going to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Well, really... A program is being installed on your computer. It's malware. It's a software with malicious intent. It can do anything from harvesting your email contacts to sitting dormant until you access uh, bank accounts like your financial institution websites, and then it harvests your usernames and passwords. Or there was a case with Facebook, a sextortion case, where a gentleman sent a link to these 13- to 15-year-old girls made the email look like it was from their mom. They clicked on the link, didn't think anything happened, but actually a program was installed on their computers that allowed him to have remote control access of their webcams, and Mm. their computers were in their bedrooms. Of course. Yes, so these can be very, very dangerous, or it can allow the, the hacker to have complete remote access control of every single thing in your computer. Mm-hmm. So don't click on the links. I've seen malware being put into PDF attachments. I've seen malware on websites. Um, I've seen malware in the QRC codes. That's like the box made up of a bunch of little boxes that you're supposed to take a picture with your smartphone, and then it takes you to a website. Right. I've never liked those because if I look at it and I don't understand what it says, there's no way I'm using it. Right. <laughs> you know, sure. Maybe it's the investigator in me. Right. But, uh, you know, there's malware now being put into those. Um, you've got to be very careful on your computers. Have antivirus, anti-spyware, a secure firewall, not the one that comes with the computer. 
Um, you know, and they have to be, don't use the free version. The free versions do not do constant updating. There may be once, twice a year you have to manually update the program. If that's the case, you're going to be missing the patch for a virus. Um, mm. So you need to make sure you have good, good programs on there. Um, you know, when, when in doubt, pick up the phone, call somebody. Because um, that's, like I said, that's the biggest call that I get. Somebody will call in a panic going, oh, my gosh, I just clicked on an email. Now what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> so just don't click beforehand and then you'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're better yeah. off deleting it. And then when someone calls going, why didn't you click on the link? Just say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't get the email, send it again, you know. Yeah, right. Um, right. So you you got to be careful with that stuff. Uh, another thing is when you have people in your home or in your business, you need to make sure your sensitive information is locked up, your client's information is locked up, because no longer do they have to physically steal the files. All they do is take out their smartphone, use the camera app, and start taking pictures of all the documents. They walk out. Your papers are still there. You don't even know anything's happened. Mm-hmm. And then they go back to, you know, their computer, plug it in. Now they've got all of your sensitive information. And that's true, you know, because so, so many people have home-based businesses or are working from their home. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you leave papers on your desk for sure or laying on the kitchen table even that right. people can have access to. Yeah. Let's okay. take another quick break, Carrie. We'll be right back. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declass. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Thank you. I'm here with Carrie Kursky. She's an identity theft expert, certified identity theft expert. And Carrie, you know, uh, we were just talking about all this computer stuff and 
links and spyware and malware and all that. But what about uh, Wi-Fi hotspots in places like Starbucks? Yeah, you need to be careful with that um, because if anyone can get on the same network, they can also get into your computer. Um, so they're fine to use as long as you're just doing basic information, you know, just surfing the web. But mm-hmm. I would never look at bank account, bank account information um, for investigators. You don't want to be looking at, you know, sensitive client information on that. Um, again, it goes back to if you don't want it on a billboard on the highway, don't look at it in a Wi-Fi hotspot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's, it's very simple. And what about paying paying for your bills online? Yeah, I get that get asked that question quite often. Uh, what I recommend to people is I like the fact that you can have online internet access to your bank accounts because you can monitor them every single day, and if mm-hmm. you see a discrepancy, you can report it and take care of it immediately, as opposed to waiting thirty days for a statement. Um, with the online bill pay, obviously everything you do on the Internet comes with a, a level of risk. So, again, if you're monitoring your information, you'll be able to take quick action. When you're doing online bill pay, the way I prefer to do it is don't go to your bank account and then set up for your bank to pay your credit card bill, your mortgage, your, you know, don't set it up that way because the banks use a third party to do that processing. So really? now you've got two layers of vulnerability built in. The best way is go directly to AmericanExpress.com or, you know, whatever your credit card is. Go directly mm-hmm. to that credit card website and pay to them directly because now you've just got one portal that you have to worry about. Where the other way, it could be two or three portals, and every portal, you know, the, the Internet connection from one site to another, those are areas of potential, you know, weakness. Um, so you're better off just paying them directly through each individual company's websites. Mm, wow. And and you're okay with banking online, though? Yeah. Again, like I said, that way you get to monitor your information. So if you're paying your credit card bill and the next day you're looking at your bank account, if there was an issue there and if you see that additional charges have come out, you can take care of it right away, as opposed to if you just wait to get a paper statement in the mail, mm-hmm. you could be waiting 30 days. And by then, they could have you know depleted your entire bank account. Well, you know, I mean, there's ways to get into your, I mean, like you're saying, the malware and so forth. But I have a friend who's a district attorney that that says, you know, the banks have done such a fabulous job uh, with their security and their online banking that there's probably no safer way to do your banking. If you have your check sent to your house, then that, that's an exposure. That's a vulnerability. So if you, have, if you order checks, you should pick them up at the bank, for example. But he he feels pretty strongly that the banking online is the way to go, exactly for what you said, because you can monitor it on a daily basis. You can find the discrepancies when they happen and address them. Right, and and like you know, like like you just pointed out, everything has an element of risk. If you're putting your check in your mail and you put the red flag up, well, now you just signaled a criminal to come and get it. So right. there's a risk there. If you do it through an online transaction, there's a risk of somebody hacking it or intercepting that transmission. Mm-hmm. Everything comes with a layer of risk. You can't prevent this from happening, but by monitoring your information, you're going to be able to take action right away. And we and Carrie, we see LifeLock. Oh, yeah. Advertised all the time in magazines and billboards, et cetera. What do you say about that? Oh, LifeLock. Where to begin? Um, real briefly, 
the biggest thing that I do not like about, and, and not only LifeLog, all of these companies that are out there, I don't like how they make the consumer believe they can prevent identity theft. Because as I said before, nobody can prevent it from happening. Mm-hmm. Um, when you buy these pro, and I'm not saying LifeLock and these companies are bad, just buyer beware. When you sign up for them, credit monitoring is credit monitoring. I don't care what company you buy it from. They also get the same information from the three credit bureaus. So if you're just looking at credit monitoring, go with the cheapest price as long as all three bureaus are being monitored because it's all coming from the same source. Mm-hmm. Um, next step is you want to make sure that there's an insurance policy covered and you want to know what the um, the deductible is going to be and then exclusions in that policy. Because once you become a victim, you may have some out-of-pocket expenses to, to restore the identity. So by having that insurance policy, that's another layer to help you mitigate. After that, you want to know what services the company is going to provide. Are they going to simply send you a kit of how to restore your own ID, identity and you have to do it yourself? Or are they going to take over the whole entire process and handle everything from beginning to end for you? So you need to make sure you fully understand what you're paying for. Um, a lot of times they'll use these really creative marketing uh, jargon or they'll create some little cutesy term or word to use so that you can't compare apples to apples when you're looking at these companies. Mm-hmm. So get their contract. Read the fine print because that's what's going to tell you what, what they're really offering you. Interesting. Wow. So <laughs> this is all of this is mind-boggling, actually. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and even for me, and I do this work, Carrie, so, right. um, and have periodically trained identity theft classes, and I'm, and I'm learning new things. So this is really fabulous. Um, well, thank so, you. Go ahead. Oh, no, it's just this, this has been uh, seven years' worth of research and living this thing. I, I still now, after seven years, I spend two hours of every single day researching the latest trend of what's out there and how they do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, it, uh, it's, my, it's my passion and my mission to educate everybody else so that way they don't fall victim for a lot of these scams. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, some people, um, some people have with their credit card, uh, CID or instead of signing their credit card. What do you think about that? Oh, yes. I get this one asked. And typically it's one of the biggest mistakes that law enforcement will tell the general public. You have to sign your credit card. It's a violation of your agreement with the credit card company. You must sign it. Besides, if I steal your credit card and you haven't signed it, I just sign it. Now the signature is right. matched. There's no yeah. prevention whatsoever. I did a, t- a test study. I wrote, I, s- I signed it, then I wrote the letters C-I-D. So I wanted to see if anybody would do it. In a two-year window, I had one person actually read that and say, oh, let me see your ID. So I asked him, I said, in two years I've been doing this and no one else asked me this. Why did <laughs> wow. you? You want to know why? He was a retired law enforcement officer. <laughs> oh, Yeah. So paid attention. And now they don't even look. You just swipe the card at the machine. So there's no right. point. But you must sign your credit cards. Otherwise, it's a violation of the agreement. Okay. That's really good information. And and also, what about credit freezes? Does, does How does that help? Yeah. Clark Howard is wonderful. He's, his radio show, you know, I think is wonderful. But that is the biggest misconception. He tells people get a credit freeze and you're, you're protected. The problem with the credit freeze is that it basically it locks down your credit report so no one can get access to it. But 
not all creditors look or obtain credit reports before issuing credit. Mm -hmm. So you can still have someone using your identity, even with a credit freeze. And a credit freeze does nothing for your current credit account. It just blocks new credit fraud. That's it. Okay. I'm not saying it's bad. I mean, if you've had a really, really, really bad case of identity theft and Mm -hmm. and it's never ending and your credit is just being destroyed on a daily basis, Mm -hmm. yeah, get the credit freeze. It's like a $10 fee to turn it on, $10 fee to turn it off. Or sometimes it can be, you know, the prices can vary depending on the state. Um, So in those situations, yes, go ahead and do it. If you're not going to be using your credit anytime in the next five, 10 years, fine, go ahead and put it on. But just if you're not going to be using it for five or ten years, I know. (laughs) I have had people who have had that. Um, (laughs) But just don't for a minute. Don't think that it's going to protect you from all types of identity theft. Because as I said earlier, you've got business, you've got criminal, and you've got medical, and a credit freeze does nothing for those. Mm -hmm. Now, Carrie, I know you have a newsletter and you have all kinds of tips all the time in your newsletter. Uh, You want to give the um, name of your website and where they can get that newsletter if people are interested? Sure. It's real easy. Go to com. That's C-A-R-R-I-E-K-E-R-S-K-I-E.com. And when you go to the website, you're going to have a little pop-up that's going to ask if you want to sign up for the free e-newsletter. Okay. Uh, so go ahead and sign up, uh, give all kinds of tips, contact information for the credit bureaus, you know, reminders to get your credit reports, all, all, all kinds of good information, the latest data breaches and so on. Okay. And uh, on that website, is that where you also offer uh, consulting or training as well? I d- yes. Yep. You can find it through that website or my investigation company. That website is Marcone, M-A-R-C-O-N-E, investigations.com. Um, that's the, the full website for the company, and it has lists all the services there as well. Um, and if anyone's interested in becoming a member of the Association of Certified Identity Theft Investigators or taking uh, the pre-course, um, you would visit ACITI.org. How to do that again? Say that again? It's uh, the the initials for Association of Certified Identity Theft Investigators. So it's okay. A-C-I-T-I. Okay. All right. Dot org. And, and, that, and those trainings are mainly held in Florida? Um, well, by the end of this month, there's going to be an online uh, course available, the, oh, the great. prep course, and also a home study kit. That's great. Well, that, that's wonderful, Carrie. Thank you for doing this because you are benefiting so many people by taking the stance and doing the identity theft training. I'm, I'm sure many people that are listening to this show will follow up and get your newsletter as well and protect themselves with your tips. So thank you so much. I really well, appreciate thank you. it. Yeah, it's uh, been, it's, I've had a great time. Great. And I just want to say many thanks to my sponsors also, IRB Search and PI Magazine. IRB Search is a data provider who serves investigative professionals catering exclusively to private investigators, process servers, bail bonds, judgment recovery, and repossession specialists, all financial interests. And so if you're interested in IRB Search, go to www.irbsearch.com. And, of course, PI Magazine is an amazing publication on private investigator-related articles Go to www.pimagazine, all one word, dot com. 
So thank you so much again, Carrie. You've been a, just a delightful guest with so many interesting things to say. And I'd just like to say tune in again next week as we declassify more real stories from real investigators. You've been listening to P.I.'s Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. P.I.'s Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth. Every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on the Voice America Variety Channel.